On today's episode of Titus and Tate, we are talking to our Fox Sports colleague, Chris Broussard, uh, NBA analyst, NBA insider, a guy who knows things, knows people in the NBA. The NBA is back, Tate. This is, this is the news. This is the sports news of the day. Um, but as, as more, a, after they made the announcement and then more time has passed, I'm starting to become more skeptical that this is actually going to happen. So we had to have Broussard on to, to shoot us straight and tell us what the deal is here. It's one of those times where we want someone to give us answers. And uh, as as the NBA gave us answers, there were a lot of questions asked by Charles Barkley and Kenny Smith and Ernie. We, we both watched the TNT panel that they had. Adam Silver, by the end of that, was like, stop asking me questions. Uh, and then we still yeah. had more questions. And, yeah. uh, and we were like, Chris Broussard, please answer our questions. I was, I was skeptical the entire way. Then as soon as I was buying in, as soon as the announcement was made and I bought in, Matt Barnes and, <laughs> and, and other people were like, not so fast. So now I'm back to being skeptical. But uh, we, we, we threw some questions at Broussard. He, he was great. Uh, we're also going to talk about Oklahoma State situation. Oklahoma State uh, it has, has, has received a, a penalty from the NCAA for the, the, their involvement in the FBI stuff. Uh, there's, they have gotten a postseason ban. So we, we called our buddy Doug Gottlieb to come on the show. To, I'm just kidding. We're, we're oh, gonna, wait. Got him. <laughs> we've, Tate and I relate. We've had Gottlieb on. Yeah, like for, for the people times. that right then that just swiped up and like turned this off, we were just kidding. Doug <laughs> yeah, yeah. We didn't, we didn't have Gottlieb. But uh, we're, we're going we're gonna to discuss this Oklahoma State situation because they got boned a little bit by the NCAA. And we see you Oklahoma State fans. This, is, this has been a rough time for, uh, for Cowboys basketball fans. Number one, Eddie Sutton passing away. Number two, uh, the, this NCAA penalty, which is kind of bogus, um, and, and we're going to break down why. Uh, we're also going to do our top five sixth men. We, we haven't done a top five uh, in a little while, and we wanted to revisit that. So um, we are going to do the best, the best, I'm sorry, sixth <laughs> men in college basketball tape. And it's very interesting because I feel like in college basketball, the, the six-man experiment, right, it's not always pointing to as people can remember who the sixth man is in college basketball. It's more of an NBA type thing. And that's why I'm right. interested, as we've always seen with these top five lists, we come in, we have our own made-up rules and legislations for what is going to be uh, our top five list and it's always different it's always fun so yeah I can't wait mo- to see most it. most conferences didn't start naming six men of the year until like five years ago basically. yeah it's like, it's like 2014 you know yeah, it's like the right. first six so, men of the year uh so yeah uh we're, we're gonna do that um a, a jam-packed show great show coming up but first woody durham All right, we are recording this on Tuesday morning. We've been doing the shows uh, Monday evening, Monday afternoon, um, but we postponed this one. And there's a lot of speculation out there, Tate, that we postponed, and, and we're doing this on Tuesday morning because uh, your affinity for the for the race to 69, you wanted to record on mm-hmm. 69. Um, that is, I, I'm going to refute those claims. I'm going to say that is not the that is not the reason why. The reason why is I had to take Moses in for an emergency uh, vet visit. Um, he, he has a bad wheel. He's been, mm. uh, there's been concern around, around the program that, that Moses might be out for the season. Uh, the vet has said it is just a mild sprain mm. and he, he could be back. Um, it's, it's, it's a day-to-day injury. So yeah, all, it's all day-to-day. Well. we're going to keep, we're going to keep an eye on this injury. Yeah. And, and to be fair, you know, you said it was six, nine, it really was for Dick Vitale's ver- birthday. And yeah. we, <laughs> Uh, decided that we wanted to pay homage to Dick Vitale to yeah. celebrate 81 years on this. 81 year. years old, man. He he tweeted today he wants to call a game at 100. Uh, he for for ESPN. ESPN actually put out a statement and said no thanks. They retweeted. 
<laughs> like we already had you for 40 years dick we have been for the last 10 years we have been trying to nudge you out the door and you can't take the hint um do we really have to do this for 19 more years apparently so uh so that is that is what they have to do <laughs> it is one of those things where like uh i was talking to my parents this weekend and like the triangle media right that the big radio stations are like kind of chopping people down and you know they're giving people offers they get bald to give people offers and they kind of kick you out that's what you know dick they're like we're gonna take the duke game away from you this is yeah. kind of like the moment right. where you might just want to get, he's like, oh, baby, it's perfect. I'll just call it Virginia Tech game. And uh, he just keeps moving down. And uh, we just keep. They took away our guy, Howie Schwab, uh, who, you know, they, they, they took him away. He was he was Dickie V's right hand man. Yeah, they're, they're just very slowly. Um, but no, Dickie V is, is not the turd. He's, he's gonna never be, so happy birthday diggy v uh but no but back to the back back to moses he's fine uh i'm taking him to germany for the emergent for the uh the experimental procedure the kobe surgery the, yes. the kobe and uh, they're gonna inject stem cells or something he'll be good but uh that is the reason we are recording this morning um so yeah uh let's get to it Tate. we got to talk about oklahoma state because the news of college basketball right now is that the ncaa has has uh has has issued a, a punishment has issued uh you, you know the, there's a resolution to this um the oklahoma state part of the fbi situation and and for those who have lost track of all of this which is myself included i have to mm-hmm. i have to go back every time every time something comes out with the ncaa the, the fbi stuff i have to go back and like figure out like now who was involved in that and which one was that again and mm-hmm. and where were we on that timeline um so this one was lamont evans was was an assistant at, at oklahoma state uh, what they had had like what Oklahoma State had actually been uh, accused of, or you know, is being punished for, was Lamont Evans was not recruiting people. And this is this is the the important point that needs to be made, and why Oklahoma State fans are so upset. Um, what Lamont Evans was doing, or what they proved, or what they what they got him for, was he was basically funneling guys to financial advisors and NBA agents after they were already in college. Uh, and, and that is Wait, what that yeah. happens, <laughs> but that is important because I think you, 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 you read just the headlines of these stories. And, and again, you, the, the waters have been muddied so much with all the details and all the different cases going on that, um, you assume that, that this was a case of Lamont Evans was dropping the bag for recruits. And maybe that was happening. Maybe it wasn't, but, but they never got him for that. What they got him for was once the recruits were already there, uh, he was funneling them to NBA guys, which is not allowed but is not a competitive advantage, you know? So like a guy, I am actually one of the people that believes that there, there's a huge sentiment that has happened. And we, we, we beat this to death on the show, but uh, a lot of people think that, that, that a lot of people just basically want anarchy in the NCAA and they're like any, you know, don't follow any rules. The NCAA is so corrupt. I'm still a guy that's like, listen, you can't cheat. Don't cheat. Like we, we, we have to at least have some sort of, the rules might be dumb, but like, Come on. Like, if we don't have rules, what do mm-hmm. we have? It's, it's mm-hmm. you know. Uh, so I would be one to say if, if Oklahoma State was getting a competitive advantage, um, something should be done about this. But they were not. And so uh, Oklahoma State fans are very upset. Oklahoma State immediately put out a statement um, saying they're going to appeal this, and, and rightfully so. Uh, they, they, they pointed out that they had fired when, – when these allegations came to light, they fired Lamont Evans within 72 hours. That is, that is noteworthy. Um, and, and like I said, he wasn't even recruiting guys, so they, they weren't even really gaining a competitive advantage. Uh, and 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 basically, all the players that are now on the team uh, were not there when when this was going on. The only person in the program that was there is the head coach Mike Boynton, who's an assistant at Oklahoma State when it all happened. But um, yeah, that that is the situation that we have found ourselves in. 
And here we are, you know, we get Oklahoma State and we know the history of Oklahoma State. We know, uh, you know, about Eddie Sutton. We know about Iva. We know about the, the, the many stories of how th- these amazing players ended up at Oklahoma State over the years. You know what I mean? We've seen the, the Barry Sanders, you know, shooting the guns out at the football game. I mean, we, we understand who Oklahoma State is, but that is, I think, what is hurting Oklahoma State in this very situation, right? People see the news and they say, oh, one-year postseason ban for Oklahoma State. They were one of the, the, the many schools that were involved and got the notice of allegations uh, for the NCAA. Okay, that's expected. But then when you get into the minutia of what actually happened here and you see all of these level two, what, what they call level two mm-hmm. violations, which would not you know, uh, lead to a postseason ban, it, it, it comes back to the whole thing with the NCAA, which is it's all a crapshoot. Do you want to play the game with them? Like, No, it, you don't want to play the you, game. That, that is the lesson here. Yeah, never let them come and do no. their investigation. Never turn no. things over. Never fire someone within 72 hours. No. If anything, give them nothing and, and see what happens. The Nevin Shapiro that we, we saw with Miami. Because yeah. <laughs> here, here it is again, and now Oklahoma State is saying, are you guys kidding me? We're going to miss a postseason. Dude. We're going we're, we're to potentially lose Kate Cunningham because of this. Right. What is going on? I mean, you should know this better than anyone that with North Carolina. And I don't, I don't, I'm not even like joking. <laughs> I'm not even trying to troll you. I'm like being serious. Like North Carolina initially was like, okay, we're going to – we're going to play along. We're going to prove that we didn't. And then somewhere along the line, a law, the, the right lawyer got in Carolina's ear and was like. The no. Wayne Scene report, yes. Yeah, yeah. They were like, hell no. Don't just fight it. Just fight everything. Mm-hmm. The NCAA has, yeah. And, and that's, that's where we've arrived is that cooperating with the NCAA, as, as we've proven <laughs> over and over and over and over again, gets you nowhere. Um, so don't do it. That, that's the lesson in all this. Because Oklahoma State tried to play ball a little bit. They tried to, to do the right thing. And now, as you said, they're going to lose out on. They, I, I don't. I don't think they are going to lose that. First of all, I think they're going to appeal this. I think the postseason ban is going to get removed. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're going to take that away. Uh, but the, the the full penalty that was handed down from this was the 2021 postseason ban. Uh, Lamont Evans got a 10 year show cause, which basically makes him kind of unhirable. Although was Bruce Pearl hired at Auburn when he was still under show cause? Yes, yeah. I believe so. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. Looking back, John John Blake Players. was another guy. Yeah, that yeah. was hired. I think in Oklahoma. But for all intents and purposes, a show call is basically is like you're out of the game for that period of time. Uh, three years probation for the program. A uh, loss of three scholarships for the next two seasons, and a ten thousand dollar fine is is the ultimate gamut that that they were thrown here. Um, so I think the postseason ban is going to get reversed. I think they're going to because that is that is just unnecessarily harsh. But yeah, if if they just fight this all the way to the and and say you can't prove it like we just deny everything um say we we have we had no idea any of this was going on just that that is that is the playbook and and i'm seeing people already pointing out that they're already the the, the tarkanian quote is already coming up they, the the mm-hmm. oklahoma Cleveland state is State's being punished mm-hmm. yeah because th- th- this means kansas is going <laughs> to get off kansas and arizona are going to get off oklahoma state is going to take the brunt of all of this and that might be true but again, I I am always of the opinion that the NCAA is not trying to protect the blue bloods. The NCAA, like it's just the NCAA is stupid and and inconsistent in general. Because like there there are a million examples of the NCAA going after blue bloods. So I don't understand that line of thinking. But to 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 that point, Kansas probably is going to get a lighter punishment, even though Kansas uh, did worse stuff. We'll say. <laughs> um, allegedly, allegedly. Allegedly. Mm-hmm. Kansas is going to get a lighter punishment, not because of their Kansas, not because of their blue blood and NCAA has to protect their cash cows because they don't, because they've proven a million times over that they, they that doesn't matter. Uh, Kansas is going to get off because Kansas denied this. Kansas put up two middle fingers. 
Kansas is, is, is taking the exact approach you have to take to this, which is like, screw you, NCAA. You can't prove anything. We deny it. You guys are lame. We're cool. Kiss our ass. And that is the approach you have to take. Um, and that is why Kansas, I think, is ultimately going to get a lesser punishment than Oklahoma State, even though what they're accused of doing is much, much worse. Much, much worse by the standards of the college basketball, the standard college basketball fan. And I think that's yeah. – uh, that's what happens with the headlines. And, and Mark Schlebacher, one of our favorites, he's the one who put this together, put this piece together on Oklahoma State. He lays out, uh, you know, sort of where they are and where they stand with all this sort of stuff. And, you know, as I was reading through this, the, the fact that Lamont Evans was the highest paid assistant coach at the time, I had no idea. In the country? In the country, making $600,000. Wow. Um, so, so there might no, be. He was, he was, his, he was, <laughs> that was what he's on the books at Oklahoma State for. He was bringing home 130 grand. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. All that was being allocated. Yeah. 470 uh, was disappearing. Somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Properly, properly in the right channels. Uh, and, and so as I'm reading that, you know, you're kind of like, okay, there's a little something there. There's a little bit, a little bit of smoke. And you mentioned the NCAA and, and all these, you know, rulings that they have. The, the word precedent does not seem to, to factor into a lot of these decisions mm. and i think the appeals process is necessary i'm sure that you know no, for me I, I feel like if you're uh, an organization and you're making you know decisions you would want to make decisions that would lead to less appeals where you would have to deal with less red tape and less paperwork but it does right. seem like the NCAA that's what they actually live in that that, that makes them uh go for whatever reason yeah like they want to give a decision that is obviously not really you know by the law exactly what you would expect then there's yeah. an appeals process, and then it just draws out. So you basically – the NCAA gives you punishment, not by the punishment, but by, by the, the cloud that surrounds you. You know, So they're yeah. going to have four years of litigation that then makes everyone think that they're on probation and dealing with all this stuff for four years. They'll have one year postseason ban, maybe, maybe not. But regardless, it's a four-year window of time where kids are like, I'm not going to go to Oklahoma State. Right. And, yeah. and that is the real punishment. Yeah, and, and and again, like the people involved, the people that are at Oklahoma State now had nothing had nothing to do with it. it. They were yeah. fifteen years old which or is, sixty years old. Which is and and again, Oklahoma State as a school didn't even benefit from it. Like it'd be one thing, like that that situation in and of itself is always a little, uh, it, I don't. It, it that part always sucks whenever like a violation happens and the school gets hammered for it, and then you're like the people that are there had nothing to do with it. Uh, but at least in most of those cases. It's it's an example of the school had the athletic department benefited from it, you know, yep. like the, yep. the the Louisville situation, the strippers, the, you know, they they won a national title. Like it's like, well, you guys benefited, so now we have to kind of do something to the program. Um, but but what we know, what what has been brought to light with the Oklahoma State part, the the basketball program themselves did not gain a competitive advantage. They did not mm -hmm. get like they didn't benefit anything from this. So. That's a bummer. That's a big time bummer. Um, but yeah, the less the lesson is just never cooperate because every time I don't know, maybe it's just confirmation bias, but I I I cannot remember a time where like a, a high profile case, the NCAA dished out like a, a pretty severe punishment. The school appealed and then like just completely lost their appeal, and, and no part of it was walked back whatsoever. It mm -hmm. feels like like as you said, the NCAA just kind of like overshoots. It goes into an appeal process. The 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 appeal is either like you have no jurisdiction to do this, which is kind of what the Carolina thing was, is like the NCAA, you're, you're in, in the Penn State situation, the Penn State football thing was like the same thing. It was like, this is a criminal case. This isn't an NCAA situation. And they had to walk stuff back. Or it's just like, you can't prove it. <laughs> we didn't know. Uh, and it's plausible deniability, and they muddy those waters. And then NCAA's like, I'm hey, sorry, we yeah. didn't know we couldn't do that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
But anytime you deny it, it seems to work out for you. And anytime you play along, I mean, the NCAA kind of came out. One of the one of the NCAA reps came out and said, like, we, we were considering giving a two year ban. Can you imagine a two year postseason ban for Oklahoma State for this? They they but because Oklahoma State uh, cooperated, they only made it one year. Thank you, thank you, thank you. very nice of you, very kind of you. Thank you, you guys are the best. Uh, it's funny too because the athletic director of Oklahoma State, they had a conference call with him in the New York Times piece. You know, he basically said, "You see the severity of this penalty." What's what's the next thing to come down the pike? And of course, what he's talking about is there's 12 other schools that have notice of allegations. Mm-hmm. In Oklahoma State's opinion, they were on the lesser side yeah. of some of these other allegations. Right. So they're saying to themselves, uh, you know, he said the expectation on our part is that if this is upheld for us, then there should be some significant penalties coming down in the future. Which is yeah. this is what we're talking about with precedent. And, and if they make this decision, and you look at the entire field yeah. of 12 teams, then okay. This is the lesser version. What's going to be the severe version of this? But like you said, if Kansas gets no postseason ban, yeah. four years, three scholarships, whatever it is, you know, then Oklahoma State's going to have a real problem with this because everyone is in the same grouping, which I think is fair or unfair, whatever it may be. But but you're right to be Oklahoma State and to be upset if NC State, who has Dennis Smith, you know, the $40,000, yeah. if, if nothing happens there, then you're yeah. like, what is going on? What is it? Yeah. But I, but I do think what's going to happen is if you have state in your team, like if, if you end and say NC State, Oklahoma State, then you will get a punishment so that they can <laughs> fill out the quotation properly. They just okay. take out Cleveland and they put oh, it in North okay. Carolina yeah, yeah, or Oklahoma. Yeah, yeah. Just you, you fill it in. And I, I got it's you. Yep. Yeah. They were so mad at Arizona, they, <laughs> they punished NC State. Yeah, 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 exactly. So uh, the Cade Cunningham part of this, you, you, you mentioned it. He's the number one recruit in the country. His brother's on staff at Oklahoma State, um, was just hired last summer. So he was not on staff when, when all of this, uh, these improprieties were going on. Um, he's the number one recruit in the country, and now the, the discussion is he, he, he figures to be a one-and-done guy. I mean, he could be the number one pick in the draft when he, when he comes out. Um, so the discussion now around him is, is he going to transfer? Can he get out of his commitment to Oklahoma State? Does he want to get out of his commitment to Oklahoma State? Or is he a guy that's just like, I don't really need the postseason anyway. I'm just here because I have to be and I want to go to the league. Uh, first of all, like I said, I think the postseason ban is going to, to get reversed just because it kind of has to. I mean, that is like, I don't know. The, the Oklahoma State should lead a revolt against the NCAA if, uh, if, they, if they don't get that postseason ban reversed. Um, but assuming it doesn't, assuming there's a postseason ban, assuming Kate Cunningham – um, you know, wants to wants to get out of this situation, Oklahoma State. Kentucky seems to be the heavy favorite if he wants to transfer. <laughs> that is that is where there's a report I saw. Uh, Kentucky Sports Radio like re- reminded everyone that uh, um, <laughs> when he was on his visit to Kentucky, Cade Cunningham like pretty much wanted to commit, but his parents talked him out of it. Uh, so Kentucky seems to be the heavy favorite, and obviously the G League is a is a viable option as well. All these guys going to the G League, uh, the Jalen Greens of the world that we know. Um, so. Yeah, I, I, that, that's going to be fascinating. But I think ultimately they're going to they're going to uh, uh, get the postseason banned. Either either like or the appeals process. I don't know how long that's going to take, but God, it feels like those take forever too. Like maybe they just kick the can down the road, do the appeals process. The postseason ban is upheld, but it gets pushed to 2022, and that way Kate Cunningham could go to the NCAA tournament next year. It it would be a smart business decision. I mean, if you are the NCAA, if you want a team like Oklahoma State and Kate Cunningham to, if you're trying to actually compete with the G League yeah. super team that they're putting on, you say, okay, we're going to make sure that the guys that do want to play college basketball that are our stars, like a guy like James Wiseman last year, we make sure that he plays. You know, yeah. the, all, all this all this eligibility stuff is. It, all of it's kind of you know ridiculous, and that's super- why that's why I don't think I, I think like the idea that that the NCAA protects blue bloods 
Like I, I understand why, why people feel that way, but mm-hmm. um, if the NCAA was really like just motivated by money and ratings and we got to keep the blue bloods in there. So everyone, everyone has interest. Why would you not want the number one recruit in the country to, to stay in college basketball? Because if you ban Oklahoma state, you're now at risk of Kate Cunningham say to hell, hell with all this, I'm just going to the G league. You know, it's so like, if that is their motivation, um, that line of thinking that they're trying to protect the blue bloods, so they have a better product and higher ratings. They would be doing the same for Oklahoma. Oklahoma State is effectively for this season a blue blood. If you have the number one recruit, I'm giving you blue blood status. If you have the number one recruit, you just had the baton for the year. Yeah, yeah you, you just, have it you for the carry, year. You just carry yeah. it around. So yeah. I, I don't think it's that. I think it's just general incompetence. I think it's just general like like we we're just flying by the seat of our pants, just kind of throwing things against the wall to see what sticks. And and the blue bloods have figured out a way to fight the system, and and the blue bloods lawyer up. The blue bloods have the resources to say you can't do that to us. Mm-hmm. And that's ultimately why they get off. Not because it's because they've been there before because the blue bloods, it has instilled in them how to beat the system. That's why they're blue bloods. That's why they win all the time. Oklahoma state is new to this. They, <laughs> they felt like if they play along, they're going to be treated kindly. And they were wrong. They were naive. That's the problem. That is why the blue bloods get off. Yeah. Yeah. And I will say this, look for the people that are saying the blue bloods, everything curries to them in college basketball. If Cade Cunningham goes to Kentucky, then you are correct. Yeah. And, <laughs> I guess that's true. Then we're back. Then <laughs> they have said, then I'll take up it all for- back. Then yeah. I will take it all back. If Cade Cunningham goes to Kentucky, then you're all right. Then they the CA did this yeah. on purpose. To try to- it, it, it turns out that Oklahoma state is actually the victim because right now it's between the NBA proving that they are right with the G league or the blue bloods proving that they are right with yeah. getting all the best players and yeah. uh, Oklahoma State is caught in the middle of all of this and, and Mike Boynton basically said it he was like I will you know whatever Cade wants to do uh I you know whether it be go to G League whether it be go to a different school I will be there I we will match the offer oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. what is the number Cade <laughs> uh I don't know I feel for, I feel for Oklahoma State fans uh uh we're on your side we we agree that yeah we agree that you guys Meanwhile, actually are victims Meanwhile, in Tucson, li- Tucson, live look at Sean Miller. And, you know, he's standing on the sideline sweating. <laughs> he's like, yes, another one dodged. And it would be great if it just turned out that Sean Miller just turned rat on everyone. And yeah, uh, yeah. And that's how all this is coming out. He's like, I'll, I'll, I'll snitch on anyone. I should have I tweeted the uh, uh, our buddy Zach Schwartz, former ringer colleague, made me a, a Photoshop of uh, when, when he when we were all working together. He made a photo. He's in Arizona State a lot. I, I brought his name up on the show. Mm-hmm. Uh he he's just incredulous that Sean Miller keeps getting out. Like every time, every time any FBI thing of, of any sort happens, he's like, "What? How is how is Sean Miller not in prison?" I don't know how to explain this. Story. And he made a he made a Photoshop for me of a uh, uh, Teflon Sean is the uh, yeah is the is the Photoshop of, and uh, I don't know. I, I, I think about that all the time. I should tweet that out. That's that's how I feel about Teflon this. Sean and uh, the Miller time. Whatever you want to, whatever moniker you want to come up with with Sean Miller, he's able to both stay out of the way, but also involved in everything. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I think that's a real. Uh, it's a yeah. Real, he stays. He stay. He he screws. He's like off the beaten path, but he's always but he's, talked about. But he's still part of the conversation to like to get his name out. You know, like yeah. Arizona still. There's still a buzz around the program with mm-hmm. everything, but he's still yeah. I don't know. Um, it'll it'll be fascinating, like you said. If there's any precedent whatsoever, uh, Arizona, LSU, and Kansas are are in deep trouble. But uh, that's the fun of the NCAA. They just <laughs> they just they're, they're an NCAA headquarters. They just spin the wheel wherever it stops. That's and like a lot of spaces on that wheel are 
nothing. Just get away with it. <laughs> the, the, the best part about it is that Oklahoma State, they're saying what we're saying, which is like, oh, those other schools, they should be worried if this is the case for Oklahoma State. But those schools are seeing Oklahoma State and they're like, nice. That's one of one of the punishments has already been doled out. Like, we're not yeah. going to get that. Like, yeah. we're like, yeah. that's good. One is yeah, done. Right, right, There's probably right. two more to go. Let's good. hope it's not us. They're like, like playing Russian roulette. They're <laughs> yeah, like, all right, exactly. there's there was one in that chamber. That means we still have the Ooh, hate to see it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. All right. Let's talk to Chris Broussard about uh, the NBA coming back. Quick break to get a word from our sponsor, Raycon. I, I know a lot of people have headphones, but they don't have earbuds. And, and I, and I want to say this, you know, AirPods, they're not earbuds. These are earbuds. They are friends of yours because they keep you by yourself. You know what I mean? They keep you in the experience. Whether you're working from home or working on your fitness, you want what you're listening to to be what you're actually listening to, not what your roommates or what your neighbors or what your girlfriend or boyfriend or significant other may be listening to or your kids. Everyone needs a great pair of wireless earbuds. That's right. But before you go dropping hundreds of dollars on a pair of earbuds, you need to check out our wireless earbuds from Raycon. You already know Raycon earbuds start at about half the price of any other premium wireless earbuds on the market and that they sound just as amazing as other top audio brands you may know. Their newest model, the Everyday E25 earbuds, are their best ones yet with six hours of playtime, seamless Bluetooth pairing, more bass, and more compact design that gives you a nice noise-isolating fit. Raycon's wireless earbuds are so comfortable. They're perfect for conference calls or, you know, binging a bunch of podcasts like this one, like Titus and Tate. You've heard me talk about how the company was co-founded by Ray J and celebrities like, you know, Snoop Dogg, Cardi B, Brandy, J.R. Smith, or, or they're all obsessed with the Raycons. Now's the time to get the latest and greatest from Raycon. Get 15% off your order at buyraycon.com slash Tate. That's buyraycon.com slash Tate, T-A-T-E, for 15% off Raycon wireless earbuds. That is buyraycon.com slash Tate, R-A-Y-C-O-N. Thank you, Ray J. Thank you, Raycon. Back to the podcast. All right, joining us now is Fox Sports NBA analyst and insider Chris Broussard. Uh, Chris, I just want to cut straight to the chase. The NBA is officially back. Um, Tate and I have been a little skeptical about this, though. Uh, just It just felt like a logistical nightmare to even get to this point, to, to even have an announcement that the NBA is back. And now we're seeing, um, you know, Matt Barnes is saying that some of the players might not want to come back. Uh, there's, there's a lot of logistical questions that still have to be answered. What percent chance do you think we will actually see a champion crowned in October? Uh, well, I'll say this. <laughs> I think there's about a 90 90- – five percent chance that we will start play okay by 31st okay um now it will there be a spike you know because of you know states have opened including florida which obviously opened up early as far as you know the shutdown and then all of the marching and stuff uh so to think i mean look if the reason we shut down, like if we if we shut when we shut down in March, if that was appropriate, like if that was legitimate, then how can we not think we're gonna see a spike? Right. Yeah. That's you know, what because I'm we've ignored all we 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 ended the shutdown prematurely. We've been people have been marching and everything and you know, going on like as if there was no coronavirus. Mm-hmm. And so if if we had to shut down in March, if that was legitimate, then you think we're going to see a spike. And we know that Florida, right around where they're supposed to play in, in Disney World, has experienced 
their highest, you know, rate of the virus just yesterday. Yeah. And so um, maybe we may see a spike that shuts the season down. I, I don't know. I'll be, I, yeah. Look, the unfortunate thing is it's become so politicized. It's hard to know who's telling the truth. Mm-hmm. But trying to listen to the doctors and epidemiologists, it would seem like we may in, in we may have a spike that either po- shuts the thing down before it even starts or shuts it down once it gets going. So yeah, yeah, I don't I don't want to ask you to be a, to play doctor here. It was more of like as you're having conversations with people, is there a sense of optimism that this is going to actually happen? Because it sort of feels as on the outside looking in, it sort of feels like there was a race just to like put something down on paper. Like this is what we're going to do. And then now as, as the ink is drying on that agreement, people are kind of looking around saying like, is this actually feasible? Can we actually pull this off where we quarantine people? And um, we don't, for three months, you're asking the players to uh, not leave and not let anybody in. Um, Did did you get a sense that like people are optimistic this is going to happen or like, I I do. I do think, the league is optimistic from players on up. Now, okay. obviously, you mentioned Matt Barnes. And, yeah, there are some players who are, are skeptical and, and pessimistic. But here's what is motivating everyone, from the lowest player to the highest owner and the commissioner, money. <laughs> <laughs> the players wow. understand. They understand that if – look, they're not exempt. You know, if they don't play, they're going to lose – the league's going to lose like a billion dollars. Yeah. And that is going to affect them in their future earnings. Mm-hmm. That's the main thing. But also, players do want – some, you know, a lot of players want a sense of closure to this season. Mm-hmm. LeBron James wants to play and have a chance to win another championship. Mm-hmm. You know, and, you know, some – so – if they don't play and have closure to the season, everything that happened in the past four or five months is irrelevant. Mm-hmm. All of that great ball LeBron played and, and Giannis, it's irrelevant. And so those are two of the main motivating factors. So while there may be some pessimism among certain individual players, for the most part, they are all motivated by the two things I just said. So I do think they're optimistic and going to try – but I think everyone recognizes that this thing is changing yeah. weekly. Right. And so, yeah, there's, there's a chance that some, there could be a hitch. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that we heard early, Chris, was, you know, that people were concerned about, you know, you don't want to try to salvage this season and risk losing next season, right? That was, that was some of the, the earlier thought that we kind of heard in April and going into May. And now we have a schedule set December 1st. There are eight teams that won't be a part of the 22 that go to Orlando and the whole rollout but does it seem like if we get to a position where you know there is a spike or there is some sort of other thing that we will do what we can to save and salvage the next season because you don't want to go and lose two seasons right just trying to to manifest one and make it make it like you said pick a champion find a champion yeah, whatever it may be if there was a spike uh and that that ended this season or it you know it didn't start or they had to cut it short during the middle I think you would have to just say, okay, we're, we're not doing it. And yep. you would yeah. have to go to the next season. This season, it was a pandemic, and it just – we couldn't complete it. Simple as that. And then you just go to the start of the next season. But, you know, and hopefully we'll have a vaccine maybe in January or something like that. But yeah. um, I think that would be how you'd have to go. And I actually think December 1st – now, granted, 
if they don't finish this season, December 1st may be fine. But playing through October 12th and then starting training camp a few weeks later, that, you know, the Players Association has pushed back on that a bit. And I think rightfully so, because I don't think that's a long enough break for the teams that go deep into the playoffs. Mm Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm just curious, like the, I, the, the example we keep throwing out is like LeBron test positive, you know, game five of the Western Conference the, the night before, but he's showing no symptoms. So in LeBron's mind, he's like, I'm fully healthy. I can play. Like, what, what do they do? What, and it doesn't really feel like they have a contingency plan, but um, I guess you cross that bridge when you come to it. Well, they've brought, they've had in their internal discussions, you better believe they've talked about stuff mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. And you yeah. better believe two things. One, LeBron will want to play. And two, Adam Silver would hate to sit LeBron down. Right. All right. right. But the only fair thing to do would be to sit LeBron down. Right. That's it. You, you would have to. And if you didn't, that would be wrong, period. And that is, you're right, that's the risk. If there was a scenario like that, and those are the situations, you would just have to treat it like an injury. Yeah. The, it the would other- be unfortunate, but you'd have to. Yeah. The, the other thing I wanted to ask you, Chris, is uh, obviously the, 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 the news of the country right now is the Black Lives Matter protests and all that, uh, all, all that going on across the country. Um, we've kind of been here before at the NBA when the Colin Kaepernick thing was happening at the NFL. They, they came out and said, like, the players will stand for the anthem. There wasn't really a lot of controversy with that. Do you anticipate that being a problem if we have games where the NBA has to decide? Like, I, I feel like they have to let guys kneel. Are guys going to want to kneel during the anthem, have some sort of protest? Is the NBA prepared to, to deal with that? Like, because they've already come out, what was it, two years ago, I think, and they said, like – There's a rule. Stand. Yeah. There's, there's a rule, yeah. Yeah, there's, like a, there's a rule that you have to stand. Um, do, you, what, do you think the players should protest? Like, what, what just that, that overall thing, I feel like that's – I don't want to use the word problem because that kind of puts, like, a, a negative connotation on what's happening. It's obviously a good thing that's happening in this movement in the country. Right. But um, – it feels like conversations need that now I'd be had in, in, in NBA circles about that. Um, how do you see that playing out? Yeah, that's a great question. The NBA players are interested because, you know, you always hear this talk about how woke the NBA is, despite right. the lack of black presidents in mm-hmm. the league, you know, and general managers in the league. You always hear this, and you always hear how supportive they are of their players being woke. But their players, you know, speaking out, they're, they're, are they going to go beyond that, you know? And so if they decide to kneel, that will be interesting. Now, knowing Adam Silver, knowing he's very much a player's commissioner, and knowing that he is, you know, in, in has great relationships with LeBron James and Chris Paul and, and the players, honestly, I think he would – allow like he wouldn't push back if they knew mm-hmm. that's my feeling I think yeah. he would overlook that rule but we would see him would he get pushed back from the powers that be if yeah. he does that so uh it, it could be very interesting uh to see what indeed happens in that instance mm-hmm. yeah we we could see Chris right the I can't breathe the Derrick Rose uh shirts that he brought out in 2014 that we saw LeBron and Kobe and all those other guys you know kind of joining that movie that could be something that comes back as well and you mentioned Adam Silver I mean th- this is something that Titus and I talk about a lot I mean he is the the players commissioner he is friends with you know LeBron and Chris Paul is close with these guys but like you said the powers that be 
they're looking at the bottom line always. That's why the, that's why we're at this position where we're going to go down to Disney World and we're going to play this tournament, like you said, to to get that money back. If if the powers that be aren't getting the full bottom line and they have you know some sort of protest going on as well, um, would that put Adam in a precarious position? Obviously, because this will be one of those times that he has to. You know, you, you're always playing both sides as a commissioner. We understand that. Because but, look, he yeah. works for the owners. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Those, those are his bosses. Yep. They've already lost $400 million from the situation with China. In China. Yep. And Adam was stood on principle, and, and I applaud him for that. But as you said, at the end of the day, these guys want to make their money. Mm -hmm. And so you already have that situation. You know, if this ends up hurting the bottom line as well, then yeah, it could be it could be a very uh, complicated situation for Adam Silver uh, and, and even the players. And mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that is this. I mean, we're at a, an incredible time in our country, um, and it's going to be interesting to see how these various things play out because you're going to really find out who really is willing to go the extra mile and mm -hmm. sacrifice personal things, money, whatever it may be, for this cause if, if they really believe in it. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, before we let you go, let's talk about the actual basketball, Chris. Uh, from an outsider's perspective, as two guys that follow college more than the NBA, it, it feels like uh, the, the finals, we were on track for a Milwaukee versus an L.A. team. We're not sure which L.A. team it was. That's kind of how I saw it. Is that Number one, is that a fair assessment? Number two, do you think like changing the format and, and playing in this Disney World bubble, um, is there a team that you see like now that the format has changed, now maybe this team could you know, disrupt that, that narrative that it's going to be Giannis and the Bucks versus either – Kawhi or LeBron, basically. You, you certainly hit on the favorites. And, and yeah. while Milwaukee has to be the favorite in the East, they're not a lock. Until mm -hmm. you prove that you can get over the hump and win a conference title, you're not a lock. I mean, we, we liked Steve Nash's sons. They never mm -hmm. won the conference. We liked Chris Webber's Sacramento Kings. They never won the conference. When LeBron was in Cleveland the first go-round, they won it in 20, 2007. But they had great teams in 2009 and 2000 and uh, – I'm sorry, yeah, 2010 that won 66 games, 61 games, and we assumed would win the East and never could get over that hump. So until you see it, can Giannis deliver them and get them over the hump? Mm -hmm. Until you see that, yeah, they can be the favorite, but they can't be a lock. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, the Bucks are only eight and five against the other top five teams in the East. Oh, wow. And so they have, while they've been dominant overall, they have had their struggles with some of the top teams in the East. Miami's 2-0 against them. Mm. And, you know, they matchups are very critical in the NBA. So is that a team that has gives them matchup problems? They put Bam out of Bayou on Giannis, and he's been able to slow him down. And then because Giannis is their only superstar, who else would step up and make up for what Giannis may not be able to give them? We saw that last year. That's why Toronto beat him. Because Kawhi was able to limit Giannis's dominance, and then no one else could step up. And that's the challenge when you only have one legitimate superstar. And so while Milwaukee, I think, is a fair favorite, they're not a lot by any stretch. Boston is a tough smart, hard-nosed team that's well-coached. 
uh, Toronto has a better record than they did last year with Kawhi Leonard. That's crazy. <laughs> they're well coached. Those guys are hard nosed, so they're going to be tough. Miami, I mentioned. Philadelphia on the paper is the most talented team in the East, but they've got they're not. I don't think they're very mentally tough. Uh, mm-hmm. So I I don't think they win the East, but they they can be scary. On the other side, you hit on it. Both LA teams. I think there's the Clippers, Lakers, and then everyone else in the West is mm-hmm. a notch below. As good as Houston. Denver, Utah, and some of these other teams are, they're a notch below the two L.A. teams. And I think I picked the Clippers to win it all. And I actually think that this break is going to help them because they were arguably, forget the record, they were arguably the best team in the league already. They, they're the only team that beat the Lakers twice. Once they beat them without Paul George, and to think that they were that good while Kawhi was missing 13 games and sitting out once a week or once every week and a half or whatever, and Paul George missed 22 games, and Landry Shamit missed 17, and pa- Patrick Beverly missed 16. How good will they be when all of these guys are playing consistently? Their chemistry will be better. And then secondly, they were on, on track to face the Lakers in a playoff series in which the reality was going to be they were playing seven road games. Because even when they faced the Lakers in the Staples Centers in what was technically a Clippers home game, we know the Lakers were going to have the crowd support. 60% at least were going to be Lakers fans for seven games or however far it went. That was going to be a huge disadvantage for them that now is completely erased. Mm-hmm. There, it will be no home court advantage or disadvantage. And so that benefits the Clippers as well. So, yeah, I, I think that the Clippers uh, are the favorites overall mm-hmm. and that they are the team that's benefited most from this shutdown. That's a great point. I didn't think about that. Yeah, that is a great point. I, I was going to ask Chris, like, what is the, the – everyone talks about an asterisk, right? Everyone's going to put something and say, like, this is why it wasn't a, you know, a real championship season. If there were no fans there, we remember LeBron came out early, said he wouldn't play without fans, that there's no point to play without fans. If there are no fans there, there is no, quote-unquote, momentum swings, and, and the Lakers lose to the Clippers. Can, can that be a reason to, to point to as to why they did not win? Can that, can that be a nice way to, to play into the next year? Is, is that a good caveat, I should say? I mean, it, it is something like, you know, the saying, whatever helps you sleep at night. Okay, good. <laughs> you know, that's that's all I want to – get, I'm getting the Lakers uh, fans ready just in case Kawhi yeah. comes to <laughs> If you're a Lakers player or fan, then, yeah, you can tell yourself. <laughs> but if you're asking, will that be a significant reason for people to put that mental asterisk by mm. the championship? No. <laughs> I think, look. As long as all the players are playing by the same rules, like I'm never down with asterisks anyway. Yeah, but yeah. look, they, all the players, everybody's season was disrupted. Everybody was off for three to four months. Mm-hmm. Everybody had to play under this strange system. Everybody had to, you know, quarantine or stay on campus, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And so I will not – it's not like the Clippers have one set of rules and the Lakers have another. I won't put an asterisk. I think the one thing that could make people at least for a few years have an asterisk, because ultimately we'll forget. And when you look at this 10 years from now, five years from now, you'll just say if LeBron and the Lakers do win it, 
we'll just say he's got he got four rings. Yeah. You know, yeah. people want to put an asterisk on the Spurs in '99 because of the strike. But we don't – when we look at Tim Duncan, we say he's got five rings. Right. We don't say, right. oh, he's got four and a half or whatever. If you, even if you go back to the 70s, early 70s, when the ABA was playing, half of the best players in the world were in the ABA. Mm-hmm. The ABA mm-hmm. actually beat the NBA more often than not when they played exhibition games. And in the last three years of their playing exhibition games, they dominated the NBA. They won like 66% of the games. And Dr. J, George Gervin, all these guys were in the ABA. And we don't think of Wilt Chamberlain's championship with the Lakers in 72 and the 33-game win streak. Or we don't think of the Knicks championships in 70 and 73 as having asterisks. Mm-hmm. Even though they're really – those are shaky when you look yeah. at how many <laughs> even in the league, NBA at that time. <laughs> so I think historically it'll be fine. We'll just view them as legitimate champions. But one thing that for the next few years could make people really question these champ- this champion is if, as you brought up earlier, a LeBron James comes down with the virus mm-hmm. and has to stop playing. Right. Or, God forbid, several stars, LeBron, mm-hmm. Kawhi, Yan. I mean, and then you end up maybe with a Miami winning a championship or an Oklahoma City, you know, something really bizarre because several players had to sit out, several superstars because of the virus. Barring that, I, I don't think people put a mental asterisk on it. The, the the ABA NBA listening to you talk about the the ABA and the NBA being great it reminds me of the the old heads that talk about how the NIT and the NCAA tournament used to be on level pay that, that's a big thing in college basketball uh, all right speaking of speaking of college basketball Chris aging me I'm not that old no, no that's that, that goes way back for the for the NIT but um before we let you go last question uh you are you you bounced around you you were born in Louisiana do I have that correct and and you you spent a lot of time in Ohio you go to college in Ohio I am a Buckeye. Um, so Where are you my, from? I'm from Indiana, but then I, I went to Ohio state and, and, okay. and, and then I spent 13 years in Columbus. Uh, I lived so, in Indianapolis too. As a kid. Oh, there we go. Well, th- this, this is the question then is, do you have college basketball loyalties? We know in the NBA, you're, you're a, an unbiased journalist. You don't, you don't play favorites. Uh, college basketball is a different story. Chris, is there a team that, that you support in college basketball? Not really, man. I mean, <laughs> I think that's, that's one of the things about moving around a lot. Yeah, um, is that I wasn't, and I lived in Indianapolis uh, from third grade into seventh grade. Mm-hmm. But you know, the Pacers—I'm not like a Pacers fan. Um, <laughs> IU—I went to a Bobby Knight basketball camp at IU. Okay, I was there when Isaiah Thomas led him to the championship. That was great. But I can't say I'm an Indiana fan. I, I guess when you look at it, I would have been viewed as a front runner because <laughs> I loved. First, it was Philadelphia with Dr. J. Then it was the Lakers with Magic. And yeah. then it was Chicago with Michael Jordan. So people <laughs> could say I was just a front runner. Just, yeah, but yeah. I, I don't really have that team I ride or die with. Yeah. Um, just, I think largely because I did move around so much. Well, as long, as, just as long as it wasn't Duke. I think that was the ultimate yeah, question. That, 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 that's always the test. <laughs> yes. As long as it that's wasn't a- Duke. 
as long as it wasn't Duke. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We were just that, that was pretty much the only test. Uh, Chris, we, we, we appreciate you giving us some time here. Uh, you can listen to the Odd Couple radio show, uh, weekdays on Fox Sports Radio, seven to ten. Chris Broussard, Rob Parker, we appreciate it so much, Chris. Thank you for your insight. Uh, we, we really do appreciate it. Man. All right, guys, you're welcome. Uh, enjoy, you know, keep up the great work. You guys do a good job, and uh, it was my pleasure. All right, thanks to Chris Broussard for joining us, Tate. I'm going to say it. Uh, I, he, he talked me off the ledge a little bit. I am still skeptical that a champion will be crowned. I, I'm, I think I'm with him. I, I think it's they're going to start to see this this resu- resuming of the season, but I there, there just feels like there are way too many things ways this can go wrong. And I think everyone wants to go like straight to the coronavirus thing as as how this will all fall apart. The idea of like a guy testing positive, but it feels like I, I don't know just the way everyone's talking about it in the last few days it just feels like there are a million chief among them is you're asking guys for three months to stay in a bubble that i mean how many teams have a realistic shot of winning the title like four if probably that. four yeah we'll say that like, and four you're asking sounds good. all of these guys to commit to spending three months in a bubble um when they know they're not going to win a title they know th- that it's you know i, I mean I, I get money talks but like i don't know that's you're, you're <laughs> the, the women part of it. I'm, I'm going to say the women part is, <laughs> is the part I'm confused about. You're asking guys to not bring women in and not leave the bubble to go see women for three mm-hmm. months. Mm-hmm. If you know anything about the NBA, that's not happening. All right, let, let's do our top five, six men, college basketball history. Uh, as always with our top five list, we have to spend way too much time explaining um, what the rules of the list are, all that kind of stuff. Uh, I'm, I'm going to lay my ground rules. First of all, I went with guys who never at any point in their careers were considered starters. So um, Mm. I toyed with the idea of doing like individual season guys like 1996 Brad Miller was unbelievable for Purdue as a six man, but then he obviously became a starter and became great and all that. So like Brad Miller to me, not a six man. He doesn't count. Mm. You, you, you might have a different opinion on that. That's okay. Um, so for that reason, like Duncan Robinson doesn't count because he started, oh, wow. he started his first reason, first season of Michigan. This is just my list. Eight. No, no, no. I like it. I like it. Uh, I like, I like these caveats. Same thing with Luke Hancock. He was six man, one most outstanding player next year. He's a starter, uh, on down the line. AJ Moye is another one. I, I, I was originally going to have, but then, uh, <laughs> he became a starter by Phil Forte. I thought of him. Mm. Remember the year he, he when yeah. uh, Marcus Smart was a sophomore. I think Phil Forte came off the bench cause they like, Speaking of Oklahoma State, they had like the best seven players on their team were all guards, and and Phil Forte was a killer off the bench for them. But he became and, a starter. So and, and I, Phil I Forte didn't even win outright Six Man of the Year that year. Yeah. There were so many good guards in the Big Twelve. I think he tied for Six Man of the Year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, that that is my caveat. I I disqualified any guy that at at any point in their career for an entire season were considered a starter. So uh, mm-hmm. I, I wanted to lay those ground rules. Are, are you, how, how do you, what, what do you want to say about this? I will say that I did not have those ground rules. Okay. And, uh, but I will say that most of my picks, they did not grow into being a quote unquote star. The, the, the only person that I could, that I could point to on my list would probably be my first guy, my number five guy. And that's because he's currently playing. And it's more about the name uh, than it is about the six man. Oh, you uh, just want to dive into it. Let's get into it. We'll do let's it. get into it easily. Uh, so we got, uh, Here's how it started. News of the day. We decide we're going to do six men. Um, this is going to be our top five six men. And uh, I go into the evening. Uh, I'm reading reports about what's going on. I see a Bobby Hurley headline. It's, you know, Bobby Hurley talking about the NBA deadline that's extended. And, of course, he's talking about his guard, Remy Martin. Mm-hmm. And uh, I immediately go, all right, there's a six man. I remember Remy Martin wins six man of the year. Um, and we talked about Pac-12 six man of the year. It was an award that they had 
for three years in the 80s. And you can give some more details on this. They had it for three years in the 80s. Yeah. And then it came back in 2018. Yeah, I, as I was researching this, uh, I, I pulled, I'm, I kind of made my list from memory. And then I tried to do a little research to see if there's any egregious uh, uh, omissions. And so I went through and, and tried to find all the comp, the all-time list of like all the conference uh, six men of the year. Yep. And basically every single list started in like 2005. Like that was when they first started. Uh, that, that was the earliest any conference was awarding six men of the year, basically. The one exception I found was the Pac-12, who from 1984 to 1987 gave out Pac-12 six man of the year award. And then for some reason just stopped in 87. And then they brought it back in 2018. Um, so yeah, we, we, we were talking at the top about how funny it is that like, like college, it's like college basketball didn't acknowledge six men until like, 10 years ago um but the pac-12 apparently did so there's your pac-12 update the pac-12 yeah. is ahead of the curve official, <laughs> official pac-12 update mike worm from uh washington state was the original six man of the year in the pac-12 so shout out to him w-u-r-m mike mm -hmm. worm um and like you said the three-point line who comes forget? in who could forget we, everyone remembers mike worm's career uh and then the three-point line comes in in 1987 so i guess the pac-12 was like this is too many too much. <laughs> <laughs> what, are we, what are we gonna give out a best three-point shooter award to no this is too much, this is too much. <laughs> so anyways 2017 2018 comes around they like the six man again they give it to remy martin of arizona state remy martin yeah. breaks your rule um he's gonna come back to arizona state most likely he's not gonna go to the nba i don't think and uh, he's going to be a star. So he, he kind of really isn't a six-man anymore. But when he first came, uh, he brought the six-man award back for the Pac-12. And I think that's why he's going to be number five on my list. That's a good pick. Remy Martin was uh, our, our guy, Kyle. Uh, Kyle's guy. He, yes. he, he, he was a Kyle's guy, uh, mostly just because of his name, Yeah, as you said. Only I think, because I think that's why name. a lot of people like him, to be honest with you. <laughs> it's just because of his name. But that's okay. Uh, my number five is uh, – I decided to use my number five as the personal pick, the, the bias pick. I, I seem to do that every one of these top fives we do. I find a way to squeeze one guy in there that's just uh, my own personal um, whatever. Uh, so my number five is Daquan Cook. Uh, his, his one year uh, at Ohio State coincided – he was the same age as me. We, we shared freshman year. I've, I've talked about the, the, the story of him in the national championship game. Um, coming up to me and saying, well, this looks like it's our last game together, Titus. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? Uh, Daquan is one of my all-time favorite teammates. He he had one career start. I, th I think uh, uh, he, he came off the bench, though, because he was playing behind Ron Lewis, Mike Conley, Jamar Butler were, were the guards on the Ohio State team. Uh, Daquan came off the bench. He, was, he is the guy that uh, it just embodied the, the idea, and I, th I think I've said this about him before, that, that, that you could pause the game at any moment in time, uh, including the national championship. You could stop the game cover the score, ask Daquan what the score is. He would say, I have no idea, but I have six <laughs> points right now. And I'm two for four. You know, like that, that was Daquan Cook. He was that way from eighth grade all the way up to the national title game. I'm sure he was that way in the NBA. Uh, he won the three-point contest um, in the NBA. People forget that. Um, he, he, he averaged 1.7 turnovers. I saw, I, it was fun looking up his stats. He averaged 1.7 turnovers in less than 20 minutes per game. I love that about him too. He just throw the ball. He was just the most carefree fun-loving basketball player I've ever been around. I don't think he ever broke a sweat in his entire career. And uh, that's ultimately why he kind of got kicked out of the league eventually. He didn't get kicked out, but he got pushed out because he, you know, he was like, practice? Work hard? Uh, yeah. Anyway, my number five, Daquan Cook. Number five, Daquan Cook. Uh, number four for me is Torian Prince. And uh, Torian okay. Prince is okay. another one uh, from the Big 12. 2014, 2015, Big 12, uh, sixth man of the year. I think he maybe uh, there's a chance that he could fall into the – he's not really a sixth man because he kind of became the star. Yeah, of the he was team. a starter the next year, but yeah. 
but, but no, no, a, that, that's my rule. It doesn't have to be your rule. Exactly. But I just want to point that out because every single one of these now, I feel like I'm breaking your yeah. <laughs> breaking <laughs> the rule. Uh, but you know, Tory Prince, I think a lot of people remember the the rebounding question from the yeah, yeah. tournament where he's like, yeah. you go up and you grab it, you come down with it, and that's called a rebound. Yeah. Um, I just want to point out the fact that Torian Prince, I mean, he was like a bulldog. Uh, he and Montrez Harrell, to me, are two of the guys that if there was a loose ball, just throw them and mm-hmm. they will go get it no matter what. And uh, I think that's a very six-man quality. Um, I'm a big he fan was, of He was their leading scorer, I think, in 2015. He yeah, was yeah, Baylor, yeah. And Baylor was really good. That was the Baylor team that lost to uh, uh, R.J. Hunter, right? Mm-hmm. The, the mm-hmm. Georgia the 20, That was yep, the 2015 Baylor team? Yeah, yep. Georgia State. Um, yeah, and Ron Hunter fell out of his chair because he <laughs> tore his Achilles. Like, yeah, yeah, that was that game. Um, yeah, Torian Prince is the leading scorer off the bench, if I remember right, which is uh, – these, these are things that can only happen in college basketball. You, you'd think, like, we would celebrate, as a college basketball culture, six men more because you have these bizarre situations like this. That, that could never happen in the NBA. It could never happen. The, mm-hmm. the leading scorer of a team that's, like, actually pretty good comes off the bench. It's, it's it's impossible. Wait, what? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's impossible. But it like makes sense in college basketball. All, all it takes is like the coach just to get in front of the beat reporters one time and just explain his, his reasoning. And everyone's like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm with that. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah, and it's also weird. Like the year that he was six man of the year, he averaged 14 points a game. And then the next year, he averaged like 16 points per game. So it like really wasn't that much of an uptick other than yeah. just a couple more minutes. So he got yeah. like an extra bucket. Yeah, it's basically like most explanations are just like, we just wanted his energy. And it's like, ooh, good, good call. And you're like, what? Why? You don't want his energy at the start of the game? You want it like six minutes into the game? Yes. They're like, yeah, that's what we want. And you're like, all right, <laughs> makes sense, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that checks out. Uh, number four for me is a guy in a, a kind of similar situation where um, he definitely should have been starting based on talent. Um, but again, and, and in, in any other context, he's a starter. But because it's college basketball, you shrug your shoulders and you're like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Coach knows best. Uh, it is Zach Collins of Gonzaga. Um, zero career starts in his one, his one season at Gonzaga. He averaged 10 and 6, playing 17 minutes per game, playing behind uh, Karnowski and Jonathan Williams. That's the reason he didn't start is because Karnowski was a senior on the team. He was, and Karnowski was like really good. He was a really good college center. And it just it was one of those things like you watch that. When Zach Collins came into games, you're like, that guy might be the most talented – Nigel Williams Goss was the best player on Gonzaga for sure. But Zach Collins, you're like, that guy the is most talented. So talented. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was probably the second best player on the team behind Nigel Williams Goss. But it made sense that he didn't start, weirdly. Like I I, I don't think if he would have started, I would have thought Mark Few was making the wrong decision. But like mm-hmm. Mark Few bringing him off the bench, it, it wasn't egregious. And that is hilarious to me that college basketball can work that way that a guy that good can come off the bench and, you're, and you can be like yeah I, li- I like that move <laughs> that makes a lot of sense as a carolina fan the national championship game i love that move and uh, i was like <laughs> yeah keep karnowski out there uh kennedy makes is quicker than him and then yeah. as soon as zach collins would come in uh it was a problem and, and zach collins i mean i think that was it's funny now because the trailblazer we'll go back to the nba like the blazers are getting healthy zach collins and nurkic back and people are like mm-hmm. well this team is legitimate now and I think a lot of people, it's like Sabonis is very similar too, right? He was at Gonzaga and we, we saw him there, but then he goes to the league and you're kind of like, oh yeah, that guy. But they're both really good pro prospects and right. they're both going to, to be, you know, involved in some playoff runs. And I think people will remember how good Zach Collins was when that happens. Uh, so Zach Collins fouled out in 14 minutes versus North Carolina. <laughs> I just want to point that out. And uh, I mean, yeah, got to learn how to play. Is, uh, I'm going to say this softly because I don't, I don't want to admit it. And I don't want to give you the satisfaction. So hopefully, 
Um, but I, but I feel like it, it's my journalistic duty to say this. Uh, I, I looked it up. Zach Collins actually fouled out of seven games that season. Mm. And he never played more than 18 minutes in any of those seven games he fouled mm-hmm. out. So him fouling out against North Carolina wasn't that crazy in retrospect. Exactly. And they told – I mean, he, that's, he was supposed to go out there and play with reckless abandon because he was coming off the bench. That's the now, that, now that I said that – now that I said that, I never have to acknowledge that again. I'm going <laughs> to to beat the drum. But Zach Collins – here we go. But there's back to normal voice. Zach yes. Collins mm-hmm. was railroaded in the national title game. Carolina mm-hmm. was gifted the national mm-hmm. title. It is bullshit, and uh, I will never stop fighting that fight. So there you the, go. The Number pack four. the the pack ride fans just turned it back up. They, just, <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. That's my show. Finally, hell we're back. yeah. <laughs> Let's go. Uh, that's my number four, Zach Collins. All right, great. Uh, number three for me is uh, is a guy that I think is forgotten in in the six man uh, college basketball conversation, but obviously lauded in the NBA version of it. And that's Jamal Crawford. And mm. Jamal Crawford uh, went to Michigan for one year. He was a one and done guy, kind of lost in the shuffle. I think when we talk about one and done type talents. Um, I don't. He obviously did not get to show the full arsenal of skill. I think at Michigan, um, but he also is one of those guys that is a perfect scorer. You know, whatever you need off the bench uh, type guy, and he also is a great locker room guy, which I think is is an underrated part of being a six man. It's the ability to not be in the starting five and to still have the security security with your game, security with yourself. Um, and to be able to come in the game and, and get warm quickly and get lathered up and get going. And Jamal Crawford, for whatever reason, has always felt like that guy. Um, and I, it, I didn't really see it as much in college basketball. But when I think about it and I watch some of the highlights of Michigan, I'm like, this guy is just perfectly built to be the sixth man. Did he come off the bench in Michigan? Yeah, for so he started some games. It, it wasn't yeah, – uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, all right, number three for me, Deion Waiters, uh, the guy who um, – he, he, I'll be honest, he's the first name that came to mind when we were doing the six man thing. Mm. Uh, because he was probably the best player on the, the 2012 Syracuse team, which was every bit good enough to win the national title that year. Um, and and it, it kind of feels like cheating because like Beheim knew exactly what he was doing the whole time. He was, he was definitely a Torian Prince situation where like everyone watching Syracuse that year was like, Yeah, this guy should be starting. And Beheim is like, I'm gonna tell you exactly why we don't start him. It's energy, and mm. you're like, That. I don't really get that, but you're the coach and you're the legend and I'm not. So I guess we'll go with it. Um, but yeah, I think Deion Wade, like the only guy that could argue that could arguably be better on that team is Chris Joseph. Uh, but uh, for, for my money, Deion Waiters was the best player on that team. Didn't start a single game that season. Didn't start a single game his freshman season either. Zero career starts in his Syracuse mm-hmm. career. Uh, goes on to be the fourth pick in the 2012 draft. Average like 13 points a game, three assists, two steals for Syracuse coming off the bench. Um, but again, it was kind of cheating because he played starters minutes. He was like, and, and every interview, every time he was brought, every time this issue was brought up to Bayheim, he was like, well, he's basically a starter. He's just a starter off the bench. Mm-hmm. And, and again, anyone that like, if you're an outsider just coming into college basketball, you'd be like, this makes no goddamn sense whatsoever. Mm-hmm. But those of us that follow college basketball forever, like, yeah, of course. Yeah, we get it, coach. <laughs> And it's also one of those things with Deion Waiters where you know that all he wanted was to get that I'm a starter stamp. Yeah, right. I think that's what it was. It, it kept <laughs> Beheim the, just like, yes, yeah. Beheim kept the carrot dangling in front of him just to keep him motivated. I think that's what it was. As soon as he got yeah. the carrot, he was just gonna he was gonna become Daquan Cook and just like start 
casually floating through. Yeah, Deion Waiters is one of those guys that you know he got like an email to come in for a meeting every single week. There was some like disciplinary meeting for as to why he wasn't going to start. Like he had been told in practice or from whatever game where they hit 20 points. They're like, Deion, we think we're going to put you in the starting lineup. Tuesday, he's late to class. He comes in. They tell him that's why he's not going to start. He's pissed off on Wednesday and Thursday. Friday they have a game and he has 20 yeah. points again. And then rinse and repeat. Let's just keep Dude, it going. You know, you know who else came off the bench on that 2012 team? Where uh CJ Fair came off the bench and Ooh. so did so did James Sutherland. And the reason all these guys came off the bench, their starters were uh Brandon Trish, Scoop Jardine, Chris Joseph, Rakeem Christmas, and Fab Mellows. So my question to you, Tate, looking back on the 2012 Syracuse team, could the it was the bench better than the starters? With Deion Waiters, CJ Fair, and James Sutherland? Like they must have just torched every they, they must have beat the starters in practice if they split up the teams that way a lot of teams don't do it that way but some some do starters versus uh, uh reserves the reserves were better <laughs> well that they probably that was the only time that Deion Witter got to play with the starters was in practice yeah. so that they would lose and then he'd, yeah. he'd, he'd be like look at yeah. Deion he can't even win with these guys and uh Scoop Jardine is the best name in college basketball in the 21st century I mean that used to be should we college. do should we do yeah. a top five list of that the best yeah. names the best scoop Jardine's number one. I mean, you used to be like, you know, I'll come pick you up. Yeah, I'll scoop Jardine. And uh, that, <laughs> that was just a college thing. We said that all the time. And uh, I don't know why he's not around more. We need more scoop Jardine. Oh, man. All right, who's your number two? Uh, number two, my I will say this. My sixth man, uh, my, my final two are both bias picks, and, and I don't care. Say what you want. Get upset. Uh, this is for me, not for you. And I also just looked up Jamal Crawford started uh, 16 of 17 games. So I don't oh, so think he, he, get, so he came off the bench. One game. <laughs> so he came off the bench one game. Uh, so yeah, take that with a grain of salt. Uh, number two it doesn't for me. Matter. It's, yeah, it's, who it's, cares? Who cares? You're not. You're not watching. You're not looking. It, at yeah, if anyone's listening to this and cares about the rules, no, they're gonna the say show. that was the best pick that I made. They're gonna be like Jamal Crawford. That's a good pick. He should have been number one on your list. Uh, number two on my list is a guy with 3.7 win shares. Uh, the most of any ACC guy until Kyle Gali came around. That was sixth man of the year. Uh, he, he led this North Carolina team to a 2017 title. Hit the game-winning shot. People forget. Uh, everyone wants to remember the Kennedy Meeks block, but they don't, rem- don't want to remember the shot. Mm-hmm. And that, of course, is Isaiah Hicks, uh, the 2015-2016 mm-hmm. sixth man of the year in the ACC. Uh, a man from Oxford, North Carolina. A man that I saw at the Henderson YMCA as a young man. And he was always quiet. He was always shy. But he always wanted to win. And uh, I think a six man, that, that's pretty much what you want. You want uh, someone that they will do anything and put the team above them no matter what. Isaiah Hicks is one of those guys. He took the blame for the Chris Jenkins shot in 2016. He spent all summer in, in Chapel Hill instead of coming home. He basically was driving himself insane watching the shot, working out with Chris mm-hmm. Jenkins. And then the next year they come back and they win the national championship. Uh, I'll never forget the dunk that he had against Oregon in the Final Four. He actually did not have a great Final Four, uh, but he had a monstrous dunk, and he had the game-winning shot. And uh, the year uh, prior, in 2015-2016, he was sixth man of the year in the ACC. Should have got more PT. Uh, he's one of my favorites. Who was he playing behind? Was it Kennedy Meeks? Yeah, yeah. Meeks well, well, yeah, the, the front court was honest, Bryce Johnson. More, it was Bryce Johnson and Kennedy. Oh, Bryce Johnson. Yeah, as more time goes by, uh, Kennedy Meeks and Isaiah Hicks, my memory of them is just – morphing into one person and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and i think that i'll, I'll just yeah I'll, re- I'll remember them both as just like kennedy hicks kennedy Hick, yeah man man kennedy hicks had a great who, who had the block on williams goss that was kennedy meeks yeah yeah <laughs> there you go i thought it was isaiah hicks. yeah, yeah I was Isaiah made to... the shot before they're, they're together yeah, yeah. tony bradley's on the bench and yeah 
about him and uh yeah that's it yeah tony bradley and zach collins are both on the bench like what the hell like they're looking down the bench at each other like you got you want to go like <laughs> yeah, should go to another go NBA? <laughs> yeah should we just like do you want to go play one-on-one somewhere and like actually yeah. like do we need this game or should we go somewhere else are we the two best prospects <laughs> like what what is going on what the hell is college basketball? The That's why NBA people are... do not like college basketball. Yeah, they exactly. watch that game and they see Tony and Bradley and Zach Collins like, what is happening? I'm going to be honest. That th- This is the kind of stuff that makes me love it. Like, I'm not st- I'm not stupid. I, I see the same thing the NBA fans see, which is the, the best players coming off, coming off the bench and, and play- Zach Collins is playing less than 20 minutes a game. Um, but I love that. I think it's, like, so fascinating that, that all the dynamics at play that you can't trade players. You can't – like, because if Gonzaga if, – if, if, if college basketball is the NBA, Gonzaga would have – traded one of their big guys they mm-hmm. they have too many they would have got better guards that, that could have helped nigel williams goss in the title game um but it's not you're, you're kind of stuck with the roster you recruit and guys pan out that you that you weren't expecting other guys aren't as good and it's all fascinating i love it i love college <laughs> basketball sue me i love college basketball. sorry 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 i love the game <laughs> oh man all right uh number two for me um i went back and forth as to whether to make this a group pick or just pick devin booker uh whether i wanted to do the 2015 kentucky platoon number two just the entire bench made up of devin booker tyler ulis dakari johnson marcus mm-hmm. lee dominic mm-hmm. hawkins i think was platoon number two um or just devin booker i kind of like tyler ulis stuck around he became a starter the next year him and jamal murray on the 2016 team they were the, the backcourt there so that kind of goes against my my you know my line of thinking here with this. So maybe I should just pick Devin Booker as my number two, <laughs> um, who did not start on the 2015 Kentucky team a single game. Uh, people forget this, Tate. Carl Towns, Carl Anthony Towns, I guess he was Carl Towns coming up, and then he mm-hmm. he, he added to Anthony once he got to Kentucky. Uh, seventh in minutes per game on that team. Carl Anthony Towns was seventh in minutes per game. Um, and Devin Booker was sixth. And the the, the guy, the, Willie Cauley-Stein was number one. The Harrison Twins were two and three. Ulyss uh, was four, and Trey Lyles was number five. Those were your top five-minute getters on the 2015 Kentucky team. Carl Towns was seventh, and Devin Booker was sixth. I just wanted to point that out. Also, they lost to Wisconsin in the Final Four. People forget that as well. Yeah, people forget that. And people also forget that the, the, the hubris that uh, Calipari had uh, during that It was unbelievable. That, that's yeah. the point of me bringing that up. It's like, like, I don't understand how... I don't understand how the Harrison twins were able to somehow control that team. Like, I, <laughs> <laughs> All right, you're number one. Moving on. Uh, I just realized this as we were as we were pushing through that I have two. So I'm gonna Remy Martin has been cut from the list. Okay, he's officially, he's officially the six man. You don't want to cut Jamal Crawford? No, no, no. Well, okay. maybe Who, we'll, we'll, figure it we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out in post. But yeah, cut Remy Martin uh potentially uh but anyways quickly i'm gonna name this guy and then i'm gonna get to who i think should be my real number one uh dante Divincenzo is okay. someone that i i should have had on my list and i say this because he had 537 points when he was the 2017 2018 six man of the year he obviously was not uh a six man really in the sense that he probably some people would argue with the best player on their team when they won the title um well, are, are we doing it are we doing yeah, going it? some people would i don't know i don't know some people would argue that uh um, mikhail bridges are, are we adding a third to the mix yes. mikhail bridges oh, he's, always, Brunson, he's, he's always been Dante. in the mix he's always okay. been in the mix uh and he was six man of the year 40 games uh only started 10 games uh but like i said 537 points if you look at all the other guys uh, there were six men of the year. The first six men of the well, year in the Big East was Patrick Ewing Jr. 
That's yep. a good trivia question there yep. for you. Uh, 2007, 2008. He had 209 points. So Dante DiVincenzo basically, you know, doubled him uh, being the sixth man. So that just goes to show you the range and scoring that this man was able to to, uh, to put off from off the bench. Um, so so that's my 1A, uh, or my 1B. And then my 1A is Marvin Williams, uh, 2005, mm. number two pick, uh, playing behind Jawad Williams. North Carolina goes to the title. He, he leads the comeback against Duke in uh, in Chapel Hill in the Dean Dome. That was a big moment. And uh, so that's my real number one. But yeah, cut Remy Martin or Jamal I, Crawford, and those are my top two. I assume Marvin Williams was going to be on your list, so I didn't want to step on your toes and put him on my. He he probably should have been on my list, but I anyone that's getting upset with me, I would have had Marvin Williams on my list if I wasn't hosting a podcast with the Carolina guy. But I knew you were going to take care of it. So number one, Marvin yeah. Williams. Um, was Jawad Williams a senior that year? Mm-hmm. It was it was a freshman senior situation. So if that team happens now, does Marvin Williams start? Do you think? Absolutely yeah, not. Right? Absolutely you don't think not. so? No way. There's you no think problem. Roy sticks to that? You don't uh, think there's like a... Well, Jawad was like the... In my opinion, Jawad was the leader. He and Melvin Scott were like kind of the, the heartbeat of the team. So I think if you take Jawad out, it's uh, it's just like too much of a, of a hit for the team, like uh, psychologically. And I think Marvin didn't want the smoke. Like I think Marvin liked coming off the bench. The, the yeah. best thing... The, the craziest what if in history is if J.R. Smith would have gone to Carolina, he was committed to Carolina, and he would have been a freshman the same year. So you would have had uh, Marvin Williams coming off the bench behind Jawad Williams and J.R. Smith coming off the bench behind Rashad McCants. Wow. And, and Rashad McCants a, and J.R. Smith would have absolutely – that would have been the greatest show in history. They would that is a great what if. I, 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 here, I'll, I'll fill that what if in for you. I think they would have won the national title. <laughs> I think no, I don't think so. If J.R. Smith would, I do not think they would have won. The greatest what if is J.R. Smith and Rashad McCants in the same locker room. How are they going to ruin this team? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Who, who's getting kicked off the team first? Is the question. <laughs> yeah. What if McCants is like beloved by Carolina fans today because like J.R. Smith assumes that role of like mm-hmm. the guy who the malcontent of the 2005 team is becomes J.R. Smith. Yeah. And then and Rashad's like, love, you need to learn yeah, how to act. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Rashad McCants is lecturing J.R. Smith how to handle his affairs. Oh, God. Um, all right. Number one for me, you already, you already mentioned him, Dante DiVincenzo. He oh, had, wow. Um, yep. He is my number one. The, uh, the, the, the nickname of DiVincenzo depends on who you ask. You ask Jay Wright, it's the Michael Jordan of Delaware. You ask Gus Johnson, it's the big ragu. Uh, any, any guy who, by the time he leaves college, has two nicknames, and both of them are the, like two equally awesome nicknames, mm-hmm. like, I mean, and, and two national titles in three years. You play three years of college basketball. He had 12 career starts in 85 games. Um, and he had two, two amazing nicknames and two NCAA titles. And a most outstanding player. He uh, isn't that kind of weird that that no one ever came off the bench and won most outstanding player, and then Luke Hancock does it in 2013, and then three years later or five years later, I'm sorry, he he's the 2018 uh, most outstanding. Five years later, DiVincenzo does it. It's like it's like Luke Hancock was Roger Bannister. He broke the four minute uh, mile barrier, and now all of a sudden everyone's going to do it. Everyone yeah, and it's and it's also funny too, right? Because then with, with DiVincenzo does it, it, I think most people will remember DiVincenzo maybe more than Luke Hancock yeah. because you know the NCAA we had the cloud of Louisville and all that, so people want to forget 2013 and now you know DiVincenzo. Well, I think I think part of the reason you remember DiVincenzo, I mean, I definitely remember Hancock, so I don't mean to yeah yeah, yeah. No, no, no. like Hancock is being lost to, to history here, but. The the Hancock thing was with Spike Albrecht is kind of the story of the first half. And then Hancock got hot in the second half. So like Albrecht kind of like overshadows the Hancock. If if we're thinking about the mem- the lasting memory of that entire game. Mm-hmm. The Albrecht, the aura of Spike Albrecht kind of 
seeps into the Hancock uh, story. But DiVincenzo comes off the bench and is just wet from the start, and the game is just like out of hand immediately. Like the moment the guy enters the game, you're like, oh, so Villanova's going to run away with this. Mm-hmm. And then that just, and then he just continues to kill the entire game. And uh, that's kind of why I think that that is is beaten into our brains so much. Well, and also we were at that game, not to brag, uh, and we were we were in San Antonio when we were looking at each other, and we were kind of just having this weird moment where, wow, Villanova is just taking over college basketball. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like Jay yeah. Wright is officially the guy now and uh divincenzo kind of just like you said it was a it was a complete nail in the coffin where he just kept be, like hammering it in you're like okay we get it you guys are gonna blow them out it's a- like uh much like Dion Dion waiters uh it, it does sort of feel like cheating to have divincenzo because he played 29 minutes a game um he, he averaged 13 points five rebounds four assists playing 29 minutes a game but he was technically a six man because villanova basically had six starters that year mm-hmm. uh was he the best player, Tate? I love, I love that you're throwing that into the conversation. Was, I think he, was, I mean, he, was he the most outstanding player in the final board? Yes. He wasn't the best, but he was the most outstanding. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Everyone yeah. has their superlative. He was yep. the most outstanding. I like this. That's, I like that's, this. that's, a, that's a great top five list. And he, I, uh, he, he hits his career high 31 points in the title game. Um, but, but yeah, he was, a, he, he had the tip in at Virginia. That's, remember that. That was the year before, though. That was in 2017. Or it wasn't at Virginia, it was against Virginia. The Ty Jerome coming out party, he spoils mm-hmm. that with the tip in. It was his only field goal attempt of the entire game was tipping it in. That was when the big ragu happened, I think. Was that the same mm-hmm. game when Gus Johnson? Yeah, yeah they were going crazy. Exactly. It was on CBS, um, yeah. Yeah, so uh, anyway, Dante DiVincenzo, it had to be him. He was he was number one on my list, and it wasn't particularly close for me. He had to be number one. He had to be number one. And I, and I like, so basically as we were doing this, I, uh, I went through all the conferences, big, uh, you know, six man of the year. So I was just like looking through guys. And then I just saw uh, Dante DiVincenzo. That's why I had to make the 1A, 1B. Because I'm like, man, this guy, one, I forgot that that was the same year that he won six man of the year was the year that he had 31 points in the title game and they win the national yeah. championship. That that I, for whatever reason I felt like it was the year before. So it it does seem like the the credentials they all align for him to be the greatest six man of the year. But like you said, there is uh, some chicanery there with uh, him playing as much. Yeah, as right, did. right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and he wasn't. It wasn't just like one great game either. I mean, the guy. I remember they they played at Xavier uh, like in in February or March, like late in the year. It was like with Big East title implications. Xavier was like a top five team. And he put he almost put up a triple double. He's like 21, 10, and I don't I don't remember, but I I don't remember what the stat line was. But he almost put up a triple. Like the guy was unbelievable. He was he was that's why he was drafted first round and he's the most outstanding player on the team. And he's also one of those guys where we get to the we're just talking about the playoffs. So like Zach Collins is going to blow back up in people's minds. Sabonis, Divincenzo is another guy with Milwaukee when they're playing the Miami Heat and Bam Adebayo is all over Giannis and Dante Divincenzo goes and hits four straight threes. We're going to be like, oh yeah. I remember, I, remember I remember the guy. Yeah. I remember this guy. Um, any honorable mentions quickly before we get to shout outs, close outs? Uh, Remy Martin. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I'm going to do uh, Greg Oden um, on my. I think he came off the bench one game when he was coming back from injury. So if, if Jamal Crawford counts, then Greg Oden counts that one yeah, game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I think uh, Josh Hart's no. probably another good one. My my honorable mention, uh, Devin Ballwinkle of Iowa um, was uh, – <laughs> he averaged – Devin Ballwinkle is the guy who in 2010, all 84 field goal attempts were three-point attempts, Tate. He, every mm. every time he shot the ball, was a three, he averaged like two points a game. He was not actually that good of a player, but uh, I just wanted to shout him out. I, I, as I was researching this, he mm. came to mind as, as just – I love that attitude. He just comes in the game. He never starts, couldn't play defense for shit. Couldn't do anything for shit. He could shoot threes, and he shot, 
<laughs> he shot 84 field goal attempts on the year in 2010, and they were all three-point attempts. So uh, shout out to him. Yeah, shout out just, to him. Just, just missed the cut. Yeah, <laughs> I, one shout out to a guy that I literally didn't even come close to the cut because he never came to my mind. But as I was doing the research, Devontae Gardner for Marquette, he wins back to back six. Back to back, yeah. <laughs> and I, again, did not come to mind, but honorable mention, back to back. That's the ultimate. Like, like, do you want to be back to back? No, no one, no one's ever so, right? wanted to be back to back. I don't think you want to win back to back, do you? Um, that seems oh, like man. a coach problem. That seems like a also sh- shout out to Antoine Tyler on the 1997 Washington Huskies. I uh, had a movie made about him as the sixth man. Um, he he the the uh, uh, he, he was dead the whole time. As it turns out, <laughs> he was a ghost uh, helping out uh, Damon Wayans to the the, the 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 Huskies win the. T- it's been a long time since I saw that movie. Did they win? Did they win the national title? I think they did in 1997. Yeah, 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 they did. Yeah, they did because then because uh, Antoine didn't help the team, right? Like that was the thing going into the title game. Damon Wayne says, "Stop helping us," and then that, yeah, okay, moving on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's it. I was just trying to make a six-man reference, but it's <laughs> my memory of that movie is not that sharp. So, uh, all right, move, uh, shout outs, closeouts. Let's wrap this thing up. Uh, shout out to Mike Miller. Uh, we talked about it on the last podcast. He's leaving Memphis. He is no longer going to be on the private jets with the bags, the Louis bags. But he also, uh, his parting shot was a bunch of three-point shots and, and layups one-on-one where he basically says, let me show you, young bloods, how we play basketball. Um, and a backwards the, hat and hoodie. And, yeah, it, 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 it was like yeah. every single old NBA basketball head. Uh, this is what they fawn for. This is what they've. This is what they want. They want to see a a shooter like Mike Miller uh, wreck some triple young threat kid. position. The yeah, fundamentals yeah, were unbelievable. Just, yeah, uh, un, so just, just solid. Jab def- step series was was on point. The yeah, angles, uh, you know what I mean. Just like all the little things that that you love to see uh, if you're fundamentalist like you and I are. And mm-hmm. uh, Mike Miller delivers the goods on his way out and i, and I couldn't have asked for anything better and uh, i'm sure penny loved it too i want to shout out to the celebs out there just all mm. the just all of them just every celeb <laughs> um i you know i part of the fun of living in la you see the celebs you're walking down the street mm-hmm. boom celeb uh in this quarantine situation it dawned on me take i haven't seen celebs in a while i hope mm. they're okay um I, I i just wanted to give them a, a general shout out uh i have not seen any celebs in three three months and i'm starting to question like is it worth living in la if you're not going to see celebs i don't where, know where are the celebs where are the celebs yes, yes we need the celebs back i think that's how we'll know nature is healing when uh i'm back at the grocery store and i i, I see josh gad <laughs> oh, oh, oh my god is that jeff goldblum <laughs> <Is> josh that, <laughs> yeah. yes that's, yes, that's how we'll know nature. uh also speaking of nature healing costco <laughs> i saw is bringing back samples when all this started happening, when the when the uh, it, it is a little bit alarming, by the way, how just like society at large just decided we're canceling coronavirus, and like the scientists yeah. are like, that's not how it works. Yeah, um, Doctor Fauci. <laughs> when's the last time we've seen it? Where where yeah. is Doctor Fauci? Can like, we- yeah, everyone's just like loser nerd, and just gives them a noogie <laughs> and stuffs them in the closet, and they're like, you know, like that's a little bit concerning. But uh, with, with all this started, I I was talking to a buddy of mine. We were saying, what will be the I guess the opposite of the canary in the coal mine, like the good, mm-hmm. the good version of the canary when you, when you know society mm-hmm. is back. Mm-hmm. And my answer was when Costco starts giving samples back, like we'll know that, that we're good. We, as a, mm-hmm. we, as a society can overcome this. Um, and apparently this week Costco said they're bringing samples back. So this is, this is fantastic. The, the samples, I think I've done this rant before on the podcast, the samples in California blow the Costco mm-hmm. samples in California are horrible. The ones in Ohio were much better because, uh, the, they're trying like the, they're not as crowded the costcos in ohio were not as crowded so they're trying to get people like into the costco so they're giving mm. they're giving out the uh 
you know, they're like, try this Oreo. And you're like, hmm, I'll try this. What is it? What do you call this? An Oreo cookie? <laughs> Interesting. And you go back like five times and just keep mm-hmm. eating Oreo. Mm-hmm. And out here, it's like just they're they're giving out like seaweed samples. and like, Couscous. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, Get this garbage out. It's so head. nice. They named it twice. But they're doing it on purpose because they don't want crowds forming around, you know, like their purpose. But anyway, it is good to know that Costco is bringing the samples back. What, what is your, what is your, uh, what, what is your marker? Do you think of, what are you waiting on just to be like, okay, now we're back. Is there one uh, thing that you're waiting to see? I'm waiting for some idiots to text me that we're all going to brunch or something like that. And I'm going to be <laughs> like, all right. Uh, you know what I mean? Like that, that's where, that's what it feels like. I'm, I'm waiting for the social, uh, you know what I mean? Cause like everyone, yeah. everyone is very, very, you know, far apart and no one wants to touch each other. I'm waiting for someone just to come up and hug and be like, what's this up? And all this yeah. Shit. The Costco samples feel too soon. Cause I feel like I need a new marker now. My, my marker is, when I'm at the dark room with Kyle and then he gets up and disappears to go smoke a cigarette and I'm stuck with his flunky friends. And so I pull out my phone and just mm. stare at my phone as I wait for Kyle to get back from smoking a cigarette. When that happens again, I'll know that mm. we're back. I'll mm. know that we're back. <laughs> we should say Kyle was near a boat this weekend, uh, which is a good thing. Yeah. And, he, and he wants to get yeah. on a boat. So if we all end up on a boat together uh, in the well, near future, we will know that. Uh, some personal news. Some personal news. I've signed up for sailing lessons. It's Look happening. It's happening. Look so. at you. Captain, <laughs> a, a marina man. Yep. Captain Titus <laughs> will take you out on that sailboat and we will all capsize Perfect. and die. And that'll be that'll be good for the podcast. I think. No, I think there's any, be, let me just tell you, I do know this about the sailboats. They do have a nice little motor in the back. So if you have any problems, <laughs> like uh, if, the, if the jib is, is, is running or amiss or whatever the hell they say, uh, we'll go to the motor. And we'll get We're going to be on the, the only sailboat in the marina with a larger lifeboat than the boat you're on <laughs> itself is going to be all right. We're going we're gonna to make sure the lifeboat is good. We're going to make sure our, our uh, what do you call the flare guns? We're gonna yeah, I was going to say. Once we're going to triple see- check the flare guns, make sure they're okay. <laughs> Kyle shoots a flare gun for fun. Uh, we get kicked <laughs> out. Uh, yeah, then it's over. Oh man! Anything else before we go? Is that no, it? I I, uh, I apologize to the listeners for my six man list. Uh, no, it's, fine. <laughs> it's ever it's ever evolving. Anyone who's still listening to the show at this point knows what they're getting into. They know what they're signing up for. What do you? Uh, what do you? As we're going off the rails uh, with with the show, mm. what do you? What are you watching? Uh, mm. Give a recommendation to the people. What What is a quarantine thing you're watching? Do you have anything? I, was, I mean, I've been on a, I watched Dress Mercy uh, the other night, which is a really good movie. It's, uh, it's you know, Michael B. Jordan. I've, I've been on, I've been on a real tilt. I, uh, I'm also watching a series on Netflix called Who Killed Malcolm X. Uh, I am, uh, I'm all deep in that right now. And uh, I think that I've watched every single movie of every director that I, that I had an affinity for. Like I, I went through like mm. David Lynch. I went through like all these different guys early on in quarantine because I was trying to be really productive. Yeah. And uh, what I've learned, Mark Titus, is that, uh, I don't know, it, it's like it, one of those things. You never beat your heroes, and you never watch your heroes too many times over. Cause you start yeah, you getting, never watch the <laughs> shitty movies yeah. that your heroes made. Yeah, yeah, you start, like, getting in your head about things. You're like, hey, man, yeah. this isn't even that good. Like, sit, I'm, yeah. like, shitting on Citizen Kane now. I don't know what's yeah. going on. Yeah. So uh, uh, that's where I'm at. I'm yeah. lost. I'm right, lost. What about you? What I've, been, you I've been watching – I've been doing a rewatch of Community on Netflix. And, oh, that's uh, I, I have – I think I think I'm on season four now. Um, I I am just fascinated by Joel McHale's hair in that show. It just like it it is it is a wild roller. You have no idea what you're gonna get on any episode. His forehead is is wide. Like the guy, the, the, he also gets Botox like in between certain episodes, and like yeah. the wrinkles on his forehead disappear and like it's just frozen. It's I I am locked in on Joel Mc, the, the 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 arc of Joel McHale's hair and his look <laughs> and his style on that show is is 
fascinating to watch. That, so. that show is the most interesting show. And it's very funny because it reminds me of Parks and Rec a little bit where it's like, they're supposed to be someone that's supposed to be like the star that everyone likes, but you're just yeah. like, God, I hate this guy. It's kind of like Mark yeah. on Parks and Recreation. It was like, how do I get rid of also, this guy? Yeah, yeah. You can tell like the moment when Dan <laughs> Harmon, like throughout the, 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 the run of Community, you can tell the moment when Dan Harmon was like purposely trying to alienate, like purposely trying to get as low viewership as possible. Mm-hmm. But like, like when he, he just like fully <laughs> went in on like the i want my shows to have ten thousand people that watch them but all ten thousand people will go to war with me you know like mm-hmm. that became mm-hmm. his you can tell like when that moment starts to happen and it's right around the, the paintball episodes or like the, yeah. <laughs> the claymation christmas episode i think is the like yeah <laughs> like these are my people yeah. these, these yeah, are the community yeah. fans like i'm going to alienate every like like you know midwestern you know, like, like, like boomer that that's just mm-hmm. flipping through the channel that might just want to watch like a comedy and just kind of tune no, the, 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 the Chevy chase fans. Yeah. The Chevy <laughs> chase fans are going to be like, what the hell is this show? Like, yeah, that, that became like the motivation of the show. So uh, anyway, that's what I'm watching. All right. That's it. That's the show. Uh, thank you guys for listening. We will be back later this week. See you guys.